Welcome to Not Your Mama's Relief Society. I'm Annie Joy, and me and Julie are on a mission to teach the tools to help us to build a kinder Zion. Join us for today's conversation because there's always room on the pew for you. All right, friends. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> I was hoping that we were going to be able to like, that I was going to do what you normally do, but I don't think you do that. You go, what do you say? Hey, say? friends. Hey, friends. Welcome back. I don't know. What Is do that I what you normally say? I don't even know. I probably don't pay attention. <laughs> I was hoping it was going to be like uh, that we were going to like simultaneously. This was my hopes and dreams of this intro <laughs> is that you and I simultaneously meet that the stars would align, that we would yeah. both in the same octave or in harmonizing. harmonizing. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back our listeners. Shall we try one more time? Yeah, but I don't know what I do. So now I don't know. Let's just say, welcome back. <laughs> okay, ready? ready? One, two, three. Welcome, welcome back. back. <laughs> that is incredible harmony. We are Zoom, by the way. That's what makes it really difficult is like, I we're, we're probably like one second off from each other. <laughs> <laughs> Slight delay with technology. Yes. Um, yes, people. It's It's a good time. Listen, it's been a hot minute since Julie and I have done an episode together, just us. Just the two of us. We can make it if we try. Just the two of us. You and I. There you go. A little Will Smith for anybody who cares. Who's who cares looking back, that. looking back in the 90s and wishing you <laughs> had a moment with just the two of us. Yes, you you're did. here now. We're here now, just us. I do get feedback from people. They're like, I love when it's just you and Julie on the show. Oh, that's sweet. I know, right? Well, for those of you who this is your jam, we're here. Here we are. Also, we we really like it when it's just the two of us. Not that we, we of course always like, we just mean in general. I mean in life, generally speaking. Generally speaking. Since I have five children, Annie's a single mom. We prefer when it's just the two of us. Yeah. (laughs) Just the two of us. See, and you're gonna talk, room all way, night long. All day, we're gonna be thinking about that. I know it will be stuck in my head till till tomorrow. I'm sure. And I have another song from the title of today's show, which I'll sing for you later because it's been through going <laughs> through my head as I've been prepping for our uh, discussion today. So I'm excited to come and be able to share with you guys. I just. I left Young Women's and I got called in to be a Relief Society teacher, a Relief Society teacher. And then I got called to be a Sunday school teacher. So I teach both. You teach both? Yes, I do. I teach. I knew you taught Relief Society, but dang, girl. Well, they called me. This is the problem. The bishop goes, (laughs) "Um, (laughs) you're ready to get back in the game after my second, you know, my baby. And I was like, yeah. And he's, I was like, well, I'm already teaching Relief Society. And he was like, what? (laughs) <laughs> and I was like yeah that. yeah and he goes oh well are you okay having both I was like yes that's fine so I teach the 12 and 13 year olds which is my daughter Adelaide so that's fun and then I yeah. teach Relief Society and Relief Society you really only teach like every couple months you know what I mean right. so you have a few people doing it yeah exactly but I was given a talk by President Natris and it's titled have I truly been forgiven So it was really cool to kind of like think about this and prepare and get ready for it. And as I was thinking about it, have you seen that movie 
Just Friends. Yes. Right? Remember when she's oh, a famous pop star and she sings, forgiveness is more than saying sorry. 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 Yes. <laughs> I've been singing that for all day. I'm like, forgiveness is more than saying sorry. So she plays a pop star in the movie. And I mean, go watch it. I can't, I can't vouch for any of the like appropriateness at this point. Cause you know, when you watch a movie and in your mind, you're like, Oh, it's a great movie. And then you watch it with your kids. And you're like, this is not a great movie. You're like, Oh boy. Oh boy. I forgot about that part. Like you don't think yeah, you're like, right. I think I was watching this through a different lens. Right. So maybe preschool <laughs> before. <laughs> yeah. Maybe uh, I'm not, I'm not necessarily telling you it's a very funny movie, but it's, I can't say yes. it's appropriate. I mean, Ryan Reynolds, you can't go wrong. So yes. Oh, I love Ryan. And anyway. maybe just find a clip of that song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just YouTube that song it's worth your time it's like isn't her name Anna Ferrer or something oh, like that? Anna, Anna, Anna Ferris yes she's yeah, so it funny out. in it yes yeah. and she plays a pop star so it's very funny yes, anyway great. but we were talking about forgiveness and I think that you and I have touched on this topic quite a bit as it connects to like self-worth and things like that but I do think it's still a conversation that for some reason us as humans who maybe have spent years of being like I don't know held accountable in maybe the wrong ways or taught in maybe unhealthy ways that like forgiveness is still just something that like feels somewhat intangible to most people I mean obviously they're speaking about it in conference right so Right. It bears repeating, but I love that today's going to be more of a deeper dive on like how to know when we're forgiven, because mm -hmm. knowing the concept that like, I'm a child of God and I'm worth forgiving doesn't always translate into feeling forgiven. A hundred percent. Right. So I think that's why this is going to be a good conversation because it's like that, that translating from that knowledge of that to the actual knowing within you and taking action and feeling that full weight lifted off of you is different than just like oh yeah I been forgiven and you know yeah there were some really good things that we discussed as as a relief society that I feel like will be actionable for you today for you to be able to like really take and go like okay so if I'm still holding a grudge against myself or if I'm yeah. still holding myself accountable for something I did years ago or something that I think I'm like truly not forgiven of how can I actionably like work towards really feeling the peace of the savior and feeling like you are good enough and those kind of things. So hundred percent. I like that. Yeah. So in this talk, Natris discusses this young boy. I think he had to have been Natris, I think was his priesthood leader in some, in some capacity. He doesn't say whether he's the Bishop or the say president, but he does say that he's his priesthood leader. And the boy is in high school ends up getting into like pretty heavy drug use. It's like, it, it seems like it's a very addictive, like it's not just light partying, it's pretty addictive, but yeah. he comes back to church for his brother's um, farewell or something and feels just this intense overflow of the spirit. And he's like, oh my gosh, like I need to come back. And he's so moved that he tries desperately hard to break this addiction and he is able to do it. Like he's able to overcome that. Um, but he goes to Natris's house one night and he sits on like the doorstep with him and he's like, I just don't know. Like, I don't know how, 
Like, am I really forgiven? Have I done enough? Am I good enough? And things like that. And so I presented the first part of the story to the Relief Society and kind of talked about like, what are things that we have in our own lives right now that lead us to feeling unforgivable? And so some of the answers that we got were like self-worth. They're not sure they're worthy to be forgiven, right? They're not good enough. They're not trying hard enough. If I was this much, you know, sometimes we say that if we give 70, Christ does the rest, right? Instead of like Brad Wilcox, where he's like, no, he already gave a hundred. He already gave a hundred, right? Yeah. We're like trying to reach this pinnacle. So like a self-worthiness issue of like, you know, someone say, if you do as much as you can, Christ will do the rest, which is true. Christ already did the rest. If we put ourselves against that high bar, especially if you're a perfectionist, you're just constantly trying to jump over this bar that's smacking you in the face. Right. Yeah. You, know? you feel hopeless, which is Satan's plan is for you to feel hopeless and it's unattainable. Yeah. What are some other things that like maybe in your own life or the even people you've coached or just things like that, that you kind of feel like are other reasons that like people might feel unforgivable? Yeah, I think that's a huge part of it. Like the not feeling they've done enough, you know, mm -hmm. like they haven't punished themselves enough. And which is tricky because then it's like, well, what, what exactly is, how many lashes do I got to take yep. for this thing? Right. And so is there is no definitive answer for that because I feel like that's not the answer. Right. I mean, like that's what I talk a lot about even with clients is like, there's no amount of like beating yourself up. That's going to make you feel better about this. When at the end of the day, I think the other thing that keeps people from like feeling that for forgiveness feeling for themselves is like, they're afraid if they let go of the guilt, they might do it again. Oh, that is not one we brought up. That's so interesting. I was, I think I felt unforgivable for a long time because I always sort of thought I was going to do something again. Right, like, like that dealt a lot with like pornography. Yeah. Like if yeah. I saw pornography and then it'd be like, Okay, but then I never felt like, because, you know, the idea of like, if you sin again, then all of the sins from the past are put upon you again, which is like, just not even true, factual, not even close to what is doctrinally sound so far beyond me that people would say that. But like, so that made me feel really unforgivable. That's a good one. We didn't even talk about that at all. I think that's a big one. The fear of like, especially when it's like bigger things, right? Because, and I shouldn't say bigger things that have more like uh, more of an impact like have a heavier consequence, right? Because uh -huh. I, as we've discussed, I don't like the words good or bad really, because I feel like that induces this like better than or shame filled, you know, existence of like, if I'm uh -huh. good, then I'm better than you. If I'm bad, then I'm lesser than you. And so I really like to look at things as like helpful, helpful or hurtful. And if we're looking at something that maybe has like a deeper, like hurt that causes other people or a deeper hurt, that that's brought on us you know then it's like mm -hmm. oh I know it's like they think this and I don't know if people consciously think this all the time but I see it in people like they don't want to let go of that because they're afraid that they, that's what's keeping them from doing it again and mm -hmm. maybe the maybe the lesson from it can be the what keeps you from it but I don't think staying in guilt is ever like a healthy thing no, I think that yeah. Satan uses guilt to throw us into shame. And if you're in a shame, shame is not the same as guilt. So if you're still in a place where you're feeling guilty or unforgiven, you're actually in a shame. We call it the shame spiral, right? Like you're in a shame spiral. Totally. You are not necessarily in a trajectory forward.
So some of the other things that they said too was they were taught that sorry isn't enough, right? I've actually said that to my children, which is so gross to think about that. Like, (laughs) oh my gosh, you know, because you're just like, you know that they're like, well, sorry, sorry. And so I think we have to like be forgiving of the fact that like, the sincerity of someone else accepting our apology, like God is able to protect, to accept apologies in with perfection rather than like, sometimes I'm holding my kids captive because I don't feel like they've been sorry enough. Do you know what I'm right. saying? Like, like coming from a little not, bit of a punitive place, like, yeah, exactly. Not like, enough. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, I'm sorry. And I'm like, are you though? You know, but you're yeah. talking disrespectfully to me now. So, and that was one thing that they said too, was like, how much you forgive is related to how much you feel you can be forgiven. So if you're someone who naturally tends to hold grudges or kind of holds people accountable, which I do with my children generally, like that then can also interpret like, well, why would I be forgiven? Right. right? Like the mindset that you're in and, and yeah, that totally yeah. makes sense. Yeah. And you hold people to that standard. Right. Well, and I think it's important to point out too, that like guilt is meant to be a motivating force right? It's like that godly remorse of like, man, this thing that I did hurt other people. It hurt me. Like it hurt God. Like I, there's something here that like, I want to change. Like guilt Mm -hmm. is a catalyst for like, because I love other people and because I love myself, it's motivating me to do something different rather than, oh, I'm the worst. And I got to go hide. Like Shane's about a hiding place, right? Like we have to go hide and be secretive because I don't love myself and I'm afraid of other people not loving me. And so I'm going to go hide over my shame where like, when you get that, I think in the scriptures that talk like, you know, pricked in the heart or cut to the heart. It's like, you have that, like, Oh man, I probably should do something about that. And you're motivated to action. Mm -hmm. Then you take the action. So that's why I think that it's not that sorry is not enough. I think sorry is just the first step. Uh, Right. Everybody, let's give a little snap clap. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, the first. Write that down, Annie. Write it down. You're Write it down. Sorry is your, the first step. I don't want that in an Instagram. <laughs> yep, we're gonna put on the gram, y'all. Sorry is the first step because it is yeah. hard to say sorry. That's not. It's not invalid to say sorry. It's just that then, what are you gonna do with that sorry? Right, and you can't. And you can't feel sorry enough necessarily. You can't feel sorry enough to create change either. Yeah. Sorry is only one portion of that, right? There has to be motivation somewhere else for change, or there has to be motivation from an outside source rather than like, I just feel guilty. So yeah, yeah, I think that's a really big thing. Right. Yeah. And then it's that love, right? It's that, it's that love for God. It's that love for other people. It's that love for yourself that becomes the pushing force of like, if I yell at my kids, I'm going to go work it out with them because I love them so much. Right. If I didn't like them, I'd be like, I'm justified and yell at you ding dongs and I'm out. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't care. Sometimes. Which sometimes. We feel yeah. that way. <laughs> we feel that way. Might've be the right place, but yeah. Yes. Yeah. The And then the last thing that they talked about, which I just thought was so interesting was a disconnection to, from God. They feel disconnected from God. And I think this is such a, it's kind of what you're talking about right now. But if we feel disconnected, we aren't feeling his grace. We might not be feeling his presence. We can't feel the forgiveness. And one of the things that I thought was really important, we were talking about the spirit a little bit. And I said, I want all of you guys to understand that we have this saying in the church that like the spirit can't live in any unclean thing. Right. And so somehow it's like, well, I'm so unworthy. I can't have the spirit with me. 
But then we hear other stories where people are turned to Christ again because of the spirit, even in the depths of sin. So the reality is, is that like the spirit has power to, to abide where it needs to abide. And if you are seeking the spirit, I think the reality is, is that when it says the spirit can't abide in any unclean thing, it's, are you choosing uncleanliness? Like, are you choosing to be in a place where the spirit can't abide? Because if, even if you like, you know, there's a story where there's someone in a drug filled house and they're they're on their knees and this is the last they're just praying. This is the last time they have to, that they're using. And they're like, can I make this change? And they're overcome by the spirit and changed by the spirit or like Melanie's son. I just listened to Melanie Stroud. I just listened to her son's thing. And he'd been an atheist for seven years. And then he's on his knees praying. And it's like the spirit just overwhelmed him. We want to like hold ourselves in a box and go, well, the spirit can't be with me right now because I'm making bad decisions and I'm making bad choices and I'm an unclean thing. The spirit is all powerful. The spirit can do what it needs to do. God can do what he needs to do. And God loves you and God wants to forgive you and God wants to embrace you. So like, I think that's a little bit of feeling disconnected from God. There are people that I'm sure have disconnected from him years and years ago. And as they come unto him, his arms are open. 100%. And I love what you shared just now because that reminded me of two things. One, I remember in a previous ward, there was a elders quorum president who was like so dedicated to reactivating my husband at the time. And he was just like trying so hard to like, you know, and befriend him because he cared about him, not because he was like, oh, trying to get back to church. He just went above and beyond to like love him as he was where he was at. And I remember one time he told me a story about how I believe his dad had been rebaptized like twice or something. And maybe I'm getting those details wrong, but he'd shared about what that taught him was that the spirit never gives up on people ever. God's mission is to bring us all back. So why they'd be like, well, you're too bad. I'm out. Like they're never going to stop trying. I mean, Satan will never stop trying either, but he will, they will never stop trying to complete this mission. And it also made me think about this morning I was reading And y'all, I'm not very good about like references or telling the story exactly right. But it's in Acts about Ananias gets this like prompting to like go help Saul. And he says something along the lines of like, do you know how bad this guy is? Mm -hmm. This fool is terrible. You want me to go help him? And, you know, Saul's getting these promptings to go this way. And like they meet up, right? And, And it just like what spoke to my heart this morning was like, no matter where you're at, God is sending helpers. He's sending the spirit, like he's going to send those things because you are never unsavable to him, no matter what. Right. You yep. I love that. So then Natras talks about, he shares the, kind of the conclusion of the story. So he ends up inviting this, this young man to serve a mission. Mm. And he does, he's able to get made where he's like, do you think I could serve? And he's like, it's worth a shot, you know? So he puts in his papers, he's called on a mission. He goes on a mission. He comes home. And now you think, okay, so he's done all this amazing thing. And Natra shares with him the story of Alma the Younger. He's like, bro, Alma the Younger was a bad dude. You know, if he can be forgiven and come unto the Lord, like so can you. And and so he really feels that. And he goes and he serves this mission. He serves a worthy mission. The mission president contacted Elder Natras and was like, this kid's um, incredible. Who did you send me? Like, he's awesome, right? Like top tier missionary comes home. And he's home like three days and he comes in and he goes, do you think I've really been forgiven? 
Oh. And they have the exact same conversation. And Natris is like, he did all these things. He did all of the things he was supposed to do and still couldn't see that he'd been forgiven. And so he just shared with him. He's like, yes, yes, keep going. Keep doing what you're supposed to do. And now he's married in the temple and he serves in some callings. And anyway, his life is just truly transformed. But it's kind of showing you that even someone who went from the depths of despair and the depths of sin to doing really incredible and intense work for the church was still struggling so much with forgiveness. Yeah. And so we talked a little bit about like, okay, so if these are the things that exist that make you feel unforgivable, how do we like combat those? So one of them, for instance, when we said your worthiness issue, do you feel like you're good enough to be forgiven? We talked about changing your self-talk. Like making sure that you're having conversations with yourself in journal form or in the mirror that's like, God loves you. God forgives you. You are enough. Yeah. You know, like you're forgiven today. You're moving forward. You're doing what you can do, you know? Yeah. And then another one was to really try, like, if you feel like you're struggling with your relationship with Heavenly Father, to build your relationship with the Lord. Focus on the things that really will help you build that. Do you need, do you need meditation time? Do you need more time in your scriptures? Do you need more focus time in your scriptures? Do you need a little bit more intent when you're praying? You know, I mean, I don't know what that looks like for you, but like, are you in nature the way you need to be? Are you listening to good music that makes you feel close to Heavenly Father? Like, are you spending time with your kids? Whatever it is that's really helping to build that relationship with Heavenly Father is another thing that we talked about. And then the one I loved the most was get an outside perspective. And this is what Annie and I are like so good at. So Annie will call and like, you need a friend that like can truly be reflective of you in a really healthy way. Brené Brown was talking about this, that like, you need someone that not only will just be like, oh, your husband is terrible, right? Like, (laughs) or all the church does do this, you know, instead they're like, Okay, so where are you at with that? You know what I mean? Because if you have someone like, I think I hold Annie and I think Annie does the same for me to a pretty good accountability. Like, okay, but is this working for you? Or what about this, right? At the same time of giving like kind of a little bit of a pep talk, like Annie, you're fine. This is, that is crazy what you experienced. That is not okay, (laughs) right? Or like, I think you can forgive yourself on this one. And like, Gaining some outside perspective of like, this is a huge thing I do think too, with some sins that we keep in secret. Yeah. So a lot of sins that we keep in secret, when you finally share them with someone, and this can even be sin that isn't your sin. So like keeping the secret of like molestation, like I held on to some of that stuff for so long when I was little that I made it my own sin. Like I made it that it was about me and that I was part of that and like things like that. But I didn't want to tell anybody. And once you do really let it out in the light, you see that so many other people are, have your same story. I mean, similar stories, right. And they're living this and like giving it the light helps you to really start to repair and to feel that true forgiveness. You see with the outside perspective, like, oh my gosh, like everybody's got some weird stuff in their past. Everybody had some weird uncle or everybody had some (laughs) weird dude, you know what I mean? Or like, oh, you guys did this, you know, or like you were searching for love from a man as a teenager. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. (laughs) yeah, I think it just helps us to validate our humanity, validate the fact that we're people with bodies and 
you know, and for someone to give you outside perspective, it's like, oh yeah, that's not that weird. (laughs) That's pretty normal, you know? Well, and I don't remember what episode it was in, but we talked about one of them where like sunlight is the best disinfectant. Yes. Right. That is the best way to clear things out. Shed some light on it because, and if you want to get spiritual with it, like the light is Christ. When you put light and you open that up and you like quit hiding in the darkness, that's where Satan thrives in the darkness. So get up out of that dark corner, go talk to Jesus and it's going to be okay. You know, Ah. that's my pep talk. (laughs) I love it. Do you have any other things that you think that you could add to how you can combat feeling unforgivable? Yeah. Some of the things that we've talked about. That was like perfect. I think that's, those are all the best ways. Like seeing how you talk to yourself, getting outside perspective from a trusted friend, checking in with your spiritual habits, what tweaks need to be made. And and I think that maybe I would just add, like, it, it's trusting that those things will work. Because mm-hmm. we hear those things all the time, but it takes an amount of trust and faith to step in. Like, in our Sunday school this past Sunday, they talked about, like, faith. And, like, why why does faith even matter? And my answer was, like, because it propels you into action. Mm-hmm. If you really believe something, you're going to do something about it. And so I think it's trusting that all those, like, Sunday school answers really will do the trick. Yeah. And you won't know unless you try it and you won't know unless you try it a couple different ways to find like your best groove for you and, you know, and keep improving those habits. Cause just cause you start reading scripts every day doesn't mean like you're good. It means like, then maybe you're going to increase for a few more minutes or increase your intensity or increase like what you study or like, it's not stagnant. It's never mm-hmm. stagnant. So, yeah. Yeah. And then the last thing that I just shared, which I will we'll just kind of leave as a part of my testimony with you guys today too, is that one of the most powerful examples of forgiveness that was in my own personal life. And I, i may have shared this before on the podcast, but it's fine to reiterate. It's a beautiful story, but Jake and I were married in the temple after we were civilly married. So a year later, and I was pregnant with Franklin. I actually gave birth. Franklin was four months old, I think when we were sealed in the temple. So when I found out that I was pregnant and I knew that Jake and I were not married in the temple, I remember feeling deep guilt and a deep sense of just complete sadness. I thought, Oh my gosh, like, I can't believe I did this. Like I didn't allow him the blessings of being sealed in the temple and the blessings of the ceiling. And I kept thinking like, if he dies, like this is, you know, and just, it was the end of the road. It was, we had reached the end of the road as far as everything went. And it was really devastating. And so when he was sealed and I remember it just weighed so heavy on my heart. And I thought, and we were still even on the path to become sealed. So like, I knew we were on the path, but I still just felt so sad that he hadn't had that for that, those four months. It was like somehow those four months just loomed really big for me and they were really, really disheartening. And so we went into the sealing room and they sealed us together And the sealer said, I want you to know that the sealing power that I just bestowed on you, and even though we're about to bring Franklin in and Franklin will be sealed to you, this is as if he was born in the covenant. Mm. It's like, this is exactly the same as him being born in the covenant. There's nothing that is, it's not retro. I mean, it's, it's completely just, it's the exact same blessings. He's received the blessings and all of your future children are obviously going to receive those same blessings. And I thought, this is the purest form of the atonement, like for you to see on earth that the sealing blessing would encompass and a complete and total, such a strong forgiveness that it was as if 
it didn't happen. People like that the months and all of that time that I had done. And that's part of maybe what we need to realize is that like heavenly father doesn't work in timelines, right? He doesn't work in like any of those things. It was, yeah, yeah, it was, well, even the timeline of that, it was like, it's eternity, you know? So it's like, it's a much broader perspective than us. Yeah. His ability to go in and to retroactively embrace my son and overlook and forgive the sins that of his parents. And so maybe if that is something for you to take into consideration and just to look at your own life and go, okay. Okay. So it just was such a powerful thing for me to understand that the Lord is able to forgive in a completeness that maybe feels a little bit new to us and something that we don't necessarily do on earth. Cause we're a little bit bad about it as humans, but God is perfect and God is able to forgive imperfection and you are worthy of his forgiveness. 100%. I love that. And I also love, you have this really great part of your presentation about like kind of the, a little bit of the steps of the forgiveness pro- process. And I think this is a good checklist because it's like, get logical with yourself about whether or not you've done these steps. So like the responsibility, like accepting what happened and showing yourself compassion. You have this remorse, which is like a pathway to action to change something that is going to make your life better it's not like it's not a punishment it's a I'm letting go of this thing that's hurting me and causing me to have pain in my life and letting myself grow in that way and then I love the restoration part of these steps because that's where going back to like that sorry just the first step you know Mm -hmm. like the restoration is where you're like gonna make some kind of amend or make some kind of like you know something with the other person, if someone else is affected by your actions, then you get to have a conversation with them that is healing because there's something very powerful about having a conversation with somebody and having that, let it, the the tension go. You ever had that before? I had that once where like, there was someone that seemed upset with me and I was like, oh, okay. And I had to go through, I have this process I go through to help myself get to a peaceful place before I communicate. And Mm -hmm. I went through my steps that I've put together and I went through all of them and let go of like, okay, this is obviously something that's about them. So because it's about them, because I, I, you know, it's their interpretation of the events, then I can come into with a clean energy of like, Hey, feeling like maybe there's some upset here, like what's going on. And so I did, I approached the conversation with this compassion of like, Hey, I just wanted to check in. It seems like maybe there was something that I said or did that bothered you. And immediately this person started crying. Like I, it's not about you. It's about like a trigger I had. And because I was able to step into it from a place of like, I want to create a peaceful space between us. Then the tension was annihilated. Like it just was gone. Annihilate's not a good word, but like, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Anyway, yes, the tension was gone. There was tension before and I felt it was like palpable, but also I am very like, I, I'm very sensitive to like energy that way. And so I could feel that, but then we had the conversation and it was gone and it was fine because there was this compassionate space of like, oh, now there's understanding, we can let it go. And then I love that this like last part of that renewal that we're going to learn from this experience. We're going to grow as a person. We're going to move forward, which is the beauty of repentance, the beauty of forgiveness is that we can learn from this and move forward, which is why it's so great to help our kids understand that mistakes and sin and these things that are going on in our lives to take away this like 
oh, you're so bad and now you need punishment. No, it's you made a mistake. What can we learn from this? What do you not want to do next time? Because that felt yucky. Or what mm -hmm. do you want to do more of this week? And how can you improve upon that? It's just a self-reflection piece. It's not a punishment. And I think I've preached about this before on another episode, but like I'm done punishing myself for the things that I've done. Mm -hmm. It doesn't do any good for me. And if it does for you, more power to you. But I just, when I say, oh man, this thing is hurting me and I'd like to get rid of it because I love myself so much and I love my family so much that I want to shift my actions to a place that's more peaceful and loving. That feels so much better. And that feels more in alignment with who God is. He's like, hey, I just want you to feel better, sunshine. That was that was the four R's of forgiveness that I found. And I thought it was so interesting because it's completely reflective of the process of repentance. Yeah. And so it's not, and it was the four R's of how like you choose to forgive. Like, how do I choose to forgive? But I thought it was so funny that it paralleled also how we can gain forgiveness. So do you want to just break down again those R's? Yeah, just to recap. Yep, totally. So responsibility. Yeah accepting what happened, remorse, using that to move forward, mm -hmm. restoration, making amends, and then renewal, learn from the experience and grow as a person. And, and yeah. I think it's a great, if you can go through that for yourself, cause you're right, it's totally applicable for both. It's applicable for forgiving someone it's for, and for like repenting. And it's also, it's applicable for forgiving yourself. Have you done those things Then if you have, then you can let, let it, go. it go. Yeah. Right. Which is great. Cause the other thing you have in here is that the definition of forgiveness is essentially the act of pardoning an offender. And that the Greek word translated literally means to let go. Mm -hmm. Right. That like the person is not demanding payment or debt. Like it's, you're letting it go. And that's what heavenly father is doing is saying, look, I, I provided this way for you to like, let it go. You just have to use it. Yeah. I offered up my son, like, and sometimes it's hard to even fathom that, right? Like he, he sacrificed his son that he loves so much. I could, I can't even think about like letting my kid get hurt, let alone like having them die for other people, you know, right. and he provided that and said, Hey, look, I did this thing for you so that you don't have to walk around hating your life, hating yourself, hating other people. It's like real, real simple actually, but simple yeah. doesn't mean easy. I think that's sometimes a misconception is that. Oh, it's just so easy. I wouldn't say it's easy, but it's simple. Sure. We come to him and he helps us time and time and time again. Because the more times you do anything, you get better at it, right? So mm -hmm. the more times you go through this process of like, oh, recognizing there's a problem, you know, have that that prick in your heart and like want to move forward because you love people so much and you want to make it better and you learn from experience and you keep going through that process enough times, it's becoming second nature to you. And that's why I love the word becoming, like we are becoming like Christ by doing these steps over and over and over. That's what it takes is coming back over and over again. And I love that scripture in Hebrews. I don't remember the chapter or sorry, but like it's the coming boldly to the throne of grace. I love that phrasing, come boldly to the throne of grace. I'm going to boldly come because I know who I am and I know who I belong to and I know what's there for me, what's available for me is this feeling of peace. And that is what I'm looking for in my life. I want to be able to feel joy and feel peace. And that comes from having this bond with the savior, because that's what he offers me. He offers me joy in 
what I'm doing. He offers me joy in my repentance process. He offers me joy in my hardship. He offers me joy in my relationships. Like that's all possible because of him. A hundred percent. I love that. It was a beautiful discussion. And I think that like, it's a discussion that's probably worth you having with someone who's really close to you and like seeing where you really stand and saying it out loud will kind of help you to see if it is something that you are struggling with. You may not even be aware that you're like, I just feel like I'm in the drudges or I'm dealing with like, I think depression sometimes can feel like either you become depressed because you feel unforgivable or vice versa, right? You're dealing with depression and therefore you feel unforgiven. And he does specify in the talk as well too, that like there are clinical things that are outside of what we're really discussing here. And if that is the need too, then there might be, you might need the help of someone else on top of the work that you're doing with heavenly father as well. So, but like he also provided those resources. So utilize that, right? There's so many resources. So I I love that caveat that like, yeah, there's, some clinical things may be happening. We fully support you going to a doctor, 100%. Just, you know, include Christ in all the process. As you go to the doctor, as you talk to a therapist, as you whatever, like he wants to hold your hand every step of the way. And in fact, Julie, I think it was one of our previous episodes, you said he gives you a path to follow and a hand to hold. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's applicable here too. Like it's so true. Like even in these like ugly, hard moments, He absolutely is showing us a path to come out of that. And he's holding our hand the whole time because he loves us and because he promises that he'll heal us. And I think that that's a great way to look at this process too, is it's a process of healing. Mm -hmm. When we can feel truly healed in certain aspects and things that have happened, then that's how we can feel that power being forgiven. Yeah. I love that. All right, friends, we're grateful for you being here. If you have any questions, please reach out to us. We're going to take a break for Christmas, but we'll be back in January and we love you. Love you. Thanks for being here today. If you like the podcast, the best way to support us is to leave a review and five-star rating. And come hang out with us and join our community at our new Instagram at notyourmamas.rs.